1: And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. The, the show is pretty much writing itself based on what's currently happening in, in energy markets. Or, or excuse me, it's stock markets, energy markets, the whole shoot and match. The um, bottom line on the market update side of things, uh, this is a mess. Um, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen a market where the visibility is less than this. There are so many different dynamics in play. And I'll just tell you this. None of them are economically positive. Right? At the same time, there are some positive signs, like, i.e. new job postings and things of that nature. Yet, that's sort of being counterbalanced by layoffs. Um, you know, market, you know, NASDAQ is still down, what, 28, 29, 30% on the year. S&P down right around 20%. Um, you know, those things are not good. They're going to hit consumer spending. Um, if you're coming from the mainstream view of high energy prices being bad and, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't think high energy prices are good. What I do think is that you need higher energy prices to get them to, to generate the necessary investment that, the vast majority of governments, especially Western governments, have starved the industry of meaning um, it's not fun to deal with the high energy prices. I get that. I get that they're more punitive to people at the, you know, uh, more of the median income level, you know, the, the basic middle class level uh, where the majority of the people in the United States reside. You know, financially speaking, I understand that they're more punitive. Um, But it's not, you know, one of the ways we've looked at is unless the unless the policy changes, unless the attitude changes, unless we get the the needed investment into that sector, all we're doing is delaying the pain, which seems to be the number one tact or the number one strategy of uh, uh, certainly Western governments. Right. It's all about delaying the pain, kicking the can down the road, putting it on the credit card. So now as it relates to to the energy stocks themselves getting absolutely pounded, guys, this is why we manage risk. And this is one of the things that I've said many times. And hopefully if you've invested um, any of your own money in a way that aligns with our view, especially over the last year and a half, that energy was a generational opportunity, Um My view on that really has not changed. Um, But one thing you need to understand, and again, we've said this many times, if you're going to play in these sectors, you have to manage risk. Because 40% pullbacks are not an anomaly. It's, you know, as people say, it's a feature, it's not a bug. Um, and, And in this environment, and I don't know if we've spent a lot of time talking about this, but we have internally here at Bulwark. In this environment, expect extreme, right? If a 30% pullback is normal or textbook in these types of markets, which it is anytime you're playing commodity market, if you can't stomach 25 to 35% pullbacks, don't play, don't get in the pool. It's just, it's, it's part of the game. Um, and, and. That shouldn't dissuade us, but what I'm saying is that you need to manage risk. What you cannot do is get in there and be blindsided by it, and then panic sell that stuff. And I think that's really what you're seeing a lot happening in the energy markets. I think you're seeing a lot of people panic sell. Um, why would we say panic sell? Because of the complete disconnect between uh, fundamentals and then the prices of these stocks. I think I've mentioned this before, but we've got a certain holding. uh, uh phenomenal little uh, oil company out of Canada uh, that has no debt, uh, whose stock is market cap of the company is like right around $920 million. They have $400 million of cash on hand. Okay. No debt. Like I said, they've got incredible assets, incredible properties, um, incredible asset base in, in you know, not the most stable. There's probably a little bit of jurisdictional geographical risk, but, but in fairly stable areas and diversified, right? So spread out, but anyway, 400 million in cash, no debt, $920 million market cap, and they're expected to do 500 million in free cash flow this year. So basically you can buy the company for this year's free cash flow, get the assets for free, you right, they got 400 million in cash on the balance sheet. They have no liabilities and by way of debt, uh, you know, no background debt, no no revolvers that they got to pay down. I mean, I truly no debt. Um and and that's insane. And here's the other funny thing. Their stocks down about 45% from its most recent highs. 90% or excuse me, 100% of their oil production is hedged at $90. That means that this pullback in oil prices from 120 range, 115 range to 96, 97, where we're currently sitting today, uh it doesn't impact their profitability at all, not by a cent. And yet the stock's down 45%. Uh so when you see that, that's sort of, and well, they're like, well, yeah, but oil prices are going down. They're not hedged over the next two to three years. And you're sitting there going, wait, 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 hold on a second. You're not thinking about this correctly. This year's free cash flow with the cash they have on hand is equal, if not slightly greater than the entire valuation of the company. Right. So with all due respect, the people making that argument are not looking at it correctly. Would you like a bunch of these very profitable oil and natural gas assets for free because that's essentially what you're getting right as a as a person buying into the company the price you're paying to purchase into the company is the equivalent of this year's free cash flow and the cash they currently have on hand Right? it reminds me of Warren Buffett's adage there are no bad assets just bad prices it couldn't be more true having said that and the reason I'm using this as an example is to illustrate to you how markets do not. And, and honestly, you know, the efficient market theory is laughable. It's laughable. I always get a good chuckle when anybody brings that up and I go, you know, it's kind of give them one of those looks. You must be new here. Right. Um, but I mean, this is a perfect example. And this is why as investors. You cannot. And I've been talking to our clients about this. Now, we've been hit a little bit by this. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of transparency. You guys know that, you know, we'll tell you when we, when, 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 we're getting hit too, I think our, our average client stock portfolio is down about six, six and a half percent on the year. We were up as much as one, one and a half two percent you know, a month ago. And we got hit a little bit. The, the reason that we didn't get hit a lot harder guys is hedging. It's risk management. And you just have to know. Now, if you're a long-term investor and you don't care about short-term volatility, by all means, buy. And quite honestly, I'd be adding here. I wouldn't be backing up the truck because I don't think the downside pressure is over. And, you know, I'd like to be a little greedy and buy these things at cheaper prices. Um, but, you know, a lot of these companies that you're looking at, it, 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 they're still so cheap. And they're still so under-owned that it kind of just doesn't really matter where oil goes in the short term. I mean, if oil somehow like fell off a cliff and got down to thirty-five, I mean that would. I, but that's kind of how these things are priced, you know. I mean, all you got to do just do a little exercise. Go pull up a twenty-year, thirty-year chart on XOP. Go back as – I mean, I don't think it goes back that far because it's that it's a it's a index, and and I, I, I yeah, it probably doesn't go back that far. But you, I know you can go back as far as two thousand four and check it out. And you look at where we're at in comparison to the long range valuations. The prices of these companies suggest that oil's at thirty five bucks. Right. I mean, that it's it, it, it's just crazy. Um, and like I said, I don't expect that pressure to be over, especially if you're seeing the recessionary impacts on the economy. That is going to hit demand to some degree. Now, what is the what is the long term carrot here? The long-term carrot is unless the investment approach changes, you are just pushing the problem down the road, even a slowdown. The other thing I think is incredible is look at energy demand, look at energy consumption, and then stop and think about how constrained the Chinese economy is, right? When they open that thing up, which I – and I am still much under the belief that this was them trying to weather higher commodity prices – I, I firmly believe that this has very little to do with COVID. That this was this was commodity price suppression. The reason I think that is a couple things. A, if you're an authoritarian regime in China, what is your biggest risk? Your biggest risk is the people revolting. What is the number reason why? Number one reason why people. Now this is a bit of a messy comp, but bear with me. What is the number one reason why people? typically overthrow governments or revolt it's it's byproducts of inflation right scarce food supplies no fuel inability to heat the house uh currency valuations being driven down uh you know go look at the french revolution you know there were other things involved but but currency devaluation and mountains of debt and reckless spending right it all all played into that rome much the same way um so If you're if you're that Chinese government, you know, these people aren't dumb. They're certainly not historically illiterate. Uh, If you want to suppress issues or if you've got a threat, it's revolt of the people, especially when you got one point one billion of them. And uh, I just I just think that this is not a covid based lockdown. The other reason why I don't think it is, is because when has this Chinese Communist Party been overly concerned, you know, about a little bit higher than normal death rate? From an illness and, and, and I'm not being racist. I'm just commenting. I mean, you know, uh, Xi Jinping holds Mao Zedong in, in a, uh, you know, a, a deity type role. He admires the guy. And he's the guy that starved out 40 million people for political ends. So, you know, I just I think it tells you all you need to know. And I could be I could be wrong. I just don't see how. I just think it's silly. All oh, the covid lockdowns in China. Come on right come on this is about i this is a classic bait and switch so i mean there's a lot of impetus out there to push oil prices higher um but what i think you're seeing right now is is something that we've been talking about for quite a while anyway we got to take a quick break we'll be right back you're listening to the know your risk radio podcast download and subscribe at know do better in bull markets do better in bear markets Pay
0: less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com.
2: Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now?
1: Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and do, and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets.
2: Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor.
0: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at
1: Bulwark capital management and we are back thank you so much for sticking with us i think that what you're seeing in markets in general and in commodity markets is all about the u.s dollar as we sit here today let's pull this up here um and yeah you're at one oh seven fifteen. okay and i believe this is now a 23 year high on the dollar Like we've been telling you guys, when the dollar goes up like this, it's going to start wrecking everything. It just is. I was reading another article about uh, uh, Wall Street earnings estimates and S&P earnings estimates not coming down. Um, Good luck with the dollar going. If the dollar continues to rally here and doesn't pull back sharply, you're going to see huge earnings misses. Huge. Like our friend Brent Johnson has said before. You know the dollars like Highlander, right? There can be only one. Is that high? yeah, yeah? There can be only one, and and the Kurgan, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's movie talk, and, and and when the when the when the dollar starts ripping like this, like like I was talking about the analyst earnings estimates. Um, why are they not coming down? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've got, I mean, I can give you the normal reasons, right? They got to keep the, they got to keep the carnival lights on, right? They got to keep telling you it's time to come in here. Uh, The other thing is wall street analysts look about four inches in front of their face. They're also playing a comparative game. And if you make negative, uh, if you make negative outlooks, right, if you put negative data out there, negative info out there, uh, you better be right. Because if you're wrong to the positive side on wall street, You know, everybody's always projecting. These analysts are always going to project higher prices, right? This is what they always do. Again, they got to keep the carnival music going. They got to keep the lights bright. You know, they got to keep you coming in. Um, But if you're waiting for the analysts to tell you there's going to be a problem, like I said, just look at the dollar, right? Uh, Look at the differentiation between the dollar and other currencies. If you don't think this is going to bother tech, I get out of here. Um, And it's funny. The other thing I will say is that, now look, you look, you've gotta you gotta be open to it and you gotta adjust on the fly. That's that's the that's part of this game. It's certainly part of this game when you're dealing in markets like this. But one of the reasons that I don't think the pain is anywhere close to being over is what is the first stuff that catches a bid? What is the first stuff to get off the mat? It's all the ridiculous stuff. Yesterday, or so this is we're doing the show on Wednesday again. Yesterday, Carvana was up twenty-five percent. Now it's been obliterated, to be fair. It's been obliterated. But it was up 25%. Do you want to know what's happening to automobile sales? And, and why why is everybody seemingly... Now, is it possible six months from now that we're on the cusp of economic renaissance, nirvana, and that... I'm be, I mean, sure, anything's possible. I, I mean, I don't see it, but anything's possible. I've been wrong before. Um, but when you look at rates, when you look at the dollar, when you look at all these different things... You look at the glut of consumption that has happened. These analysts are projecting, four, four, on average, 4.1% uh, earnings growth this year. I mean, they, it's a joke. It's a joke. So if you wait for them to flash the red light, you're going to be wrecked. And, and maybe not in the next two months. Like I said, I, I mean, it's still not acting like it, I would expect, if this was the bear market rally that I really think that we're overdue for, um, it should be, you. the impulse should be stronger than this, but I'm still not convinced that you're not going to see just a ripping bear market rally here because at every turn, the first stuff to get off the mat, the first stuff to rally is all the nonsense. Okay. That does not, that is not a sign of capitulation. That is not a sign of the bottom. That is not what bottoms look like. And, and like I said, a lot of this stuff is still completely ridiculously priced, ridiculously priced. People are like, Zach, you sound like a broken record. Well, I mean, guys, you just have historic stuff. Yeah, we're going to keep hitting it because you have historic stuff just popping up all over the place. Like, for instance, I just don't hear anybody talking about the dollar. It's crazy to me. The world reserve currency is at 23 year highs and you're not changing earnings projections. How, how does that work? Right. Every good that we sell internationally is skyrocketing in price, skyrocketing. And then look at some of our biggest consumption, right? China, there may not be a country out there that is more susceptible or more vulnerable to that increase in dollar, the, the, the price of the dollar. Now, people are like, oh, they want their currency devalued. Not really at this part of the game. Right and why? Because they've been playing this game right now. They've got huge asset bubbles. we've talked about the Chinese real estate scenario. Right, a weakening Chinese yuan does not help that. It hurts it. Okay, so that's, they're not, in my opinion, they're not. Now, do they want the, would they want the value of the Chinese want to go through the roof at this point? No, because that can cause issues too. But what I'm saying is it's the rate, the other thing that you want to look at is the rate of change, right? If, if the dollar went to 107 over like a, you know, 17 to 24 month period and, and did it gently, uh, it would still cause massive stress and massive pain, but it, you, it wouldn't create a blow up, right? What you see happening right now makes me kind of like I'm kind of looking around the corner. Going And I was, I was explaining that to my wife this morning because I was talking about, wow, the dollar. And she's like, what does that mean? And I just said, you've got these things now with rates shooting up and the dollar rallying where other things are going to start to break. So the issue quits being the issue. The issue starts being the impact of the issue on other things. Right. And that's where you get a scenario of where Warren Buffett always talks about. You find out who's been swimming without their trunks on when the tide goes out. Tide's going out. The tide's going out and anything that could and would provide stress for financial markets that is currently happening. What does that mean in the short run guys? I mean, you know, You guys know the insanity that's happened in these markets, especially in the last two and a half years. For that matter, I mean, I think the insanity has been going on a lot longer than that. And I think many of you out there would probably agree that culminated in the highest U.S. stock valuations of all time, the longest bull market of all time. Meanwhile, while our national debt has exploded to the highest level as a percentage of GDP and as a nominal level, while we've underinvested in sectors that are deeply needed for the economy, while we've overvalued things that are ridiculous and add no value... Even things that are completely transparent, like, you know, and I don't mean to rub salt in the womb, but if anybody out there thought Peloton was worth $40 billion, (laughs) I mean, you got another thing coming. And there's still a lot of that out there. You know, I mean, one of my favorite bashing grounds, Tesla. And for you Tesla fans out there, I get it. I I get the appeal of the cars. The stock's still ridiculous. It's not special, right? They're getting lapped in full self-driving. This thing's trading like it's Microsoft. Right. They bend metal. The input costs for their vehicles are going through the roof. Right. Um, Anyway, and there's just there's just tons of that. Um, So, you know, you got to be careful of the bear market rallies here. I wouldn't get overly short, you know, but I managing risk going forward is going to be the number one thing, guys. And you better watch it. And if you don't know how to do that. Which most don't. It even shocks me about professional investors. Most professional investors can't manage any risk better than they can manage their personal lives. Um, and it's just not something I I I, I don't I, I could opine on why I think that is. I don't really get it. Uh, the cavalier nature of so many money managers that don't pay attention to the risks out there, it's, it's always shocked me. Anyway, so that's it for that segment. Um, Stick with us through the break. we got a great interview coming up with Grant Williams. Uh, It was a long one. Didn't intend for it to go long. We were just rapping, and and it was great. I think it really ties up the the interviews that we've done recently. And we're going to air a little bit more of that show than normal. Um, But uh, if you're out there and you recognize the threats that are out there, and you see the issues, and you see that this stock market, despite what you're saying, is still ridiculously overvalued, especially considering the environment, and, you know, if you're still exposed to bonds, if you if you have a port, if you've got a portfolio that's down, you know, 15 or percent or more this year, guys, there's a better way to do this. Right? I was explaining to somebody the other day, a new client of ours. They came in. They're like, well, I'm only down four percent this year. Well, he was all, all short term bonds for like the last two years. And I go, OK, but you were down last year, too. And I go, meanwhile, our average client was up 17 percent last year and they're down about three percent this year. Right. You've got you've got the risk part set up, but you don't have the growth part set up. Right. That's the trick. You know, yeah, maybe you can insulate yourself from some losses, but can you make money? Right. And that's why the whole part of our whole thing is, hey, we'll give you more upside, less cost, but with substantially less risk. And it blows me away. I don't ever see portfolios that come in here that are that are well positioned right? Give us a call. 866-779-RISK. 866-779-RISK. Guys, there's a better way. Give us a call. We'll walk you through how we do it. Show you how we do it. If you like it, great. Become a client. If not, here's the info. Best of luck to you. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.
0: This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
2: Hey, it's Tory Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management.
1: What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Due to all the money printing from central banks in the long period of zero interest rates, some serious inflation has hit. I'm sure you're aware. And inflation crushes bonds. We've been talking about it for seven years. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy. You do need one. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy. This shows you how to protect your retirement against loss but still get market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost.
2: Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, and SEC-registered investment advisor.
0: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham,
1: Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. So just wanted to, wanted to do a little warm-up session before we kick off the interview with Grant Williams. Like I said, we're going to air more of that interview. Part of the reason we're going to do that is because it's Wednesday. So I don't really know how the week uh, ends at this point, uh, which, which obviously limits your ability to comment on it. <laughs> um, but the other part of it was kind of to be a primer going into this conversation with uh, Grant Williams. And, um, you know, I think that it's so easy for people that are observing for financial markets there. Everybody knows the market is down this year. And, you know, when's the bounce back? All that normal talk is going on. Oh, is this a buying opportunity to bounce back to the and um, <clears throat> it's a bit odd to me. And it always seems odd to me when we get it kind of reminds me of, honestly, January of 2020 when you saw started seeing the global impacts of covid and you really didn't know how it was going to play out and you didn't know how severe it was going to be we didn't either but you just knew that nothing good especially when you looked at markets and how richly priced they were they were coming off a year where the S&P was up 30% in 2019 and then by the first end of the first week middle of february markets were already up another 13% year to date and and you know near record expensive Um, And at that point on several metrics were the most expensive markets of all time. And so you looked at this complete juxtaposition, right, where you had uh, markets just sailing. away, And then you looked out on the on the horizon. You're like, man, there's a lot of dark clouds. I don't know how it's going to play out. Nobody that's intellectually honest will tell you that they do. It, you just look around, and everybody is so focused on, well, the market's already down 30. Where is the market down 30% from, guys? Where we, well, Our market's down 20. S&P, right, the one that most of us pay attention to, which is a better indicator, uh, is down 20. NASDAQ is down uh, right around 30. What's it down from? It's down from a COVID high where $7 trillion was poured into the market. And the Fed was buying everything that wasn't bolted down, right? And stimulus upon stimulus upon stimulus. It's it's vapor. That's not a real number. So all you've done and we've talked about this. All you've done is burned off some of the excess that happened during covid. You're still way right. We went into covid. I believe the Nasdaq finished right around eighty four hundred. In twenty nineteen. Remember, things were pretty good in twenty nineteen. Right. Think about input costs being so much lower interest rates, so much lower dollars, so much lower. I mean, there isn't a single financial condition that you can point to that is better today than it was then. Then you look at stocks. Stocks are much more expensive. Right. With earnings that are virtually impossible to repeat because you're not just flooding the market with capital. Um, again, and I'm not telling you, I know where it's going. Nobody does. What I'm saying is it's just amazing to me. You get in these periods of times and everybody is the the question on everybody's mind is when and what do you buy? Where I sit there and I look at him and I go, you don't think that the problem is a little bit bigger than that? You think that these companies will continue to grow earnings even after that stimulus is withdrawn? You think the underpinnings of this economy are strong enough to facilitate that? With rising interest rates, rising debt costs, dollar going through the roof, uh, Federal Reserve standing on the sidelines. Could you be right if that's your take? Yeah, I guess anything can happen. I mean, we've learned that in markets over the last two and a half years, like we've said so many times. But it's just one of those times where everybody's like, you know, I was saying this last week. Jim Cramer, who's going, there's a lot of bad news priced into this market that this nonsense. What are you talking about? The S&P is trading at 22 times earnings. And there's like I said, there's no way you get a reap I don't care what the analysts say. Earnings are going down this year, period. And all you got to do is look at Q4 of last year to understand that that's going to happen. And I don't even think it's going to take that long. Right? I think you're going to miss big in Q2. And if not, then you're really going to miss in Q3 and Q4. So that means the earnings numbers, I, I just, it, it's... It's shocking to me, and and the one thing that does give me some confidence in that, guys, and I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong, is that I was. I, it took me too long to get off the bearish side coming out of the COVID deal, but I think we've had a really good track record of, of looking out there and saying, okay, look, there's trouble out there. This is a time when you need to be careful. As a matter of fact, I don't think we've ever come out there and said that when there wasn't an issue that popped up, because I don't say it lightly. I I can't stand these... Perma Doom guys, you know, oh, it's all coming down, and you're like, well, yeah, but like literally, everybody's been saying that since the advent of financial markets, right? You've always had those people, and quite honestly, historically speaking, you when the din, when the negative din and the fearful chorus gets so loud, that alone is a signal to buy. The problem is, is that that chorus has gotten unbelievably quiet. And everybody acts as if this is the worst it can be. What are you at now? You're, 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 you're still almost, what is that? The, the NASDAQ is still 45% higher, give or take. Right, three, yeah, about 40, 45% higher than it was when you were entering COVID. Right before, you know, at the peak. So <laughs> you a lot of bad, when you say a lot of bad news is priced in, do you mean that, that, the Federal Reserve not dumping seven trillion dollars a year into the into the financial system is priced in, because I mean not even that's priced in. Um, and it really amazes me when you like I said, you see the movement in rates, you see the dollar. Why are more people not being cautious here? I don't know. And and I hate to, and people are like, well, it's because they're greedy, or oh, it's because they're stupid, or oh, look, I I hate to make judgment calls like that. I don't think they're all stupid. I think that there's a lot of reasons. I also think that if you go look at the average age of the Wall Street analyst out there, that he has only had a job during these periods of times and he's not used to seeing that fall. Right. All he's seen is up and to the right, up and to the right, up and to the right for the first 15 years of their careers. So, I yeah, Um now and and moving but and and quite honestly guys if if you're in the energy sectors or you're in those stocks I think you probably know this there I when these factors are at play and again I'm not talking about short term I still think and and I and I could be wrong about this too I still think that you're going to see a ripper of a bear market rally at some point during the summer low volumes the volumes have fallen off that precipitous dropping ha- has has ceased at least for the interim. Um, but I just still think there's substantially more risk ahead. I you you again you just look at the global outlook, you look at the financial outlook, you look at all these different things, and I think the least likely of all scenarios is that it's business as usual and on to the next rally. And then you factor in security valuations and prices. Um, and again, does that mean that we all go all in? Oh, it's uh, no, no, no. But we just you know, this is a time to be reserved. This is time to be patient, especially the closer you are to retirement, right? If you miss out on bottom ticking this market and you miss, right, that's not the worst thing in the world. Making two to three or even five percent less, that's not the worst thing in the world. And I think the average person knows that. Even if they don't know the indicators that I'm talking about, I think the smell is there, right? They look around, they like, I'm not really sure what's going on. I just know it's not good, right? And like I said, it kind of has that same feeling of January 2020 where you're kind of looking around and going, why isn't everybody freaking out? Now, we're not going to freak out, right? We just manage the risk. That's the only thing we can do. We don't panic, you know, we just it's just not the way we do things here. Um, so I'm not saying that people should freak out, but you're looking around going, man, these signs are nasty. You know, for instance, I haven't heard a single analyst talk about what the dollar move is going to do to exports. Right. Remember, one of the one of the stalwart arguments they've had during this entire run up has been, well, valuations are high on a historical basis, but these companies are much more global. Look, at, look at the share of earnings that come from the. OK, well, where's that argument now? Right? If you're going to use that to justify ridiculous valuations that have begun, begun to be vaporized. Why aren't we now flipping back and going, well, hold on a second. If these are global companies that are very reliant on exporting to other parts of the world, do you think the fact that the dollar is appreciated 30 to 50 percent against their local currency isn't going to impact how much of our stuff they buy? I mean, how much do you think, how much price elasticity, right? How much flexibility does the average consumer in China have, right? And I've used the analogy of iPhones. You know, people aren't going to quit buying them, but if the price of the iPhone is up 30 to 50% versus their local currency, they might pass on the next, next update cycle, right? You're going to sell less. I can promise you that basic economics and we could probably you know truthfully probably pull out some quick math and and figure out probably to a very close estimate how much prices are going to drop. And so it's just I'm not going to compare it also reminds me of 0809 not in the sense that I think that you're on the precipice of something like that you could be. Again, nobody in my opinion I'm not hearing anybody in the mainstream taking these current threats seriously. Now maybe they pass. Maybe they alleviate via one way or the other, and if they do, we'll be the first to say, because you guys have heard me talking about the five horsemen of the apocalypse, right? And let's review it really quick. Rising interest rates, uh multi-decade high inflation, right? Vulnerable economic action, slowdown in economic activity, these things are currently taking place. Okay. Uh dollar and crude, both above a hundred, crude's pulled back a little bit, but crude is still really high, especially when you when you when you adjust for where the dollar is at. And so you add all those things up, while those factors are in play, there's just not much good that can happen, Uh, period. And not only are those factors in play, you've seen a little pullback in oil, but why is oil pulling back? It's pulling back based on recessionary fear. Not because the supply, I mean, not because supply and demand is in all this new production is coming online and the crisis averted. That's not it. That's not what's happening here. And how do I know that? Well, I know that because you can see it corresponds perfectly with a pullback in rates as well, which, again, is also a recessionary sign. So, again, we don't know the future better than anybody else, and I'm not saying we do. What I'm saying is if you think you're out of the woods or if you agree with our good buddy Jim Cramer that a lot of bad news is priced in, it doesn't mean disaster is around the corner. It doesn't mean a sort of Damocles is hanging over your head and it's about ready to, to take you out. What it does mean is that you're financially illiterate. I mean, what what is that? A 22 price? Range? I mean, you're still 40%. What is that? Not 40, 30% above the long-term average valuation on the market with earnings dropping. So I don't know what to tell you. I just think that, that um, I think you need to be careful with everything right now. I, I'll just tell you how we're positioned. We're basically hedged up across the board. We're not taking any chances. We're playing our levels. Um, Now, I will say that the part of our approach is the fact that we're just not down much this year. Um, And so we can afford to pay it closer to the best because we're not trying to dig out of a 25 percent hole. That's another advantage to risk management. Right. When you're down 25 or 30 percent and the markets, down 25 or 30 percent, you kind of got to ride it out at that point. Right. Because the worst thing you can do is bail and and, you know, miss out on the bounce back and, and memorialize those losses. And that's another reason we do, we manage risk the way we do. So we don't have to confront those questions, right? We don't have to sit there and go, you know, what's the best way to dig out of a 40% hole? Not being in one, right? And it's just, it's just a much more stress-free, easy thinking, clear-thoughted way to approach investing. And unfortunately, it's not really well understood and it's not practiced. It's certainly not practiced well. Go look at all these hedge funds that have blown up this year, right? Poor risk management, bottom line. Horrible school grade school level risk management. And if and if you realize that, like you said, if you're sitting on a portfolio, that's down 15 or 20 percent and you're closing in on retirement. It's not that I think your guy's an idiot. What it should tell you is that the foundation your portfolio is built on is wrong. It is incorrect. You are not properly positioned you look at the average person going into retirement or in retirement, they shouldn't have a portfolio that can go down 25%. Why? Because now is the time. You need the money now. Well, just give it time. It'll come back. I'm retired. Time is the one thing I don't have. I've been saving my entire bloody life to finance the retirement I want. And now you're telling me to wait. Now you're telling me to sell my second home. Right? Why weren't you telling me to dial back the risk when I had a chance? Well, you have a chance. I'm giving you that warning right now. Okay? Look at what you're doing. Look at your portfolio and see if the person managing your money has answers to these questions. Ask them what a dollar dollar index at 107 does to the economy. Right? Ask them what they think these interest rate increases are going to do to the economy. What it's going to do to profits. What it's going to... If they don't have answers for you, that should tell you everything you need to know. Call somebody that does. 866-779-RISK. And 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bowercapitalmanagement.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at KYR Radio. Guys, we're not magic. We don't see. But what we, we don't see through walls, we're not gurus. What we do know how to do is manage risk. What we do know how to do is build portfolios for our clients that aren't capable of blowing them up. Right? And that and that can still offer significantly more upside than the traditional approach of stocks and bonds. And we can typically do it at a 25 to 40% discount versus the competition. There's a better way. Give us a call again 866-779-risk and 866-779-risk. Anyway, coming up next, we're going to start our interview with Grant Williams. We're going to air about eight to ten minutes of that, I believe. I think that's how much time we have left. And then if you want to hear the remainder of the conversation, which I think he's just one of the most well-read, thoughtful guys out there. He's not full of a bunch of bluster and blowhard. If he doesn't know, he's going to tell you. He's just our kind of guy. And it's a perfect wrap-up and synopsis to a lot of the interviews that we've done recently. And, um, we kind of talk about what we see coming up next, what the biggest problems are and where the threats and opportunities lie and, and, uh, very sober minded, level-headed guy. And I think it's the perfect interview for the perfect time. So, and, and, and to hear the rest of that interview, just go to know, just Google, know your risk radio podcast and subscribe. If you would, it helps us get better listeners or excuse me, better interviews. Um And uh, yeah, just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. It'll pull up several different podcasting sites. You can just hop right on there and do it. Anyway, have a great weekend. Uh, try to enjoy yourselves. Get a little time off, a little relaxation from these crazy markets. And uh, we'll be back next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Down, oh, now and, and we're airing the interview. So the show's not over. Interview is going to come up next segment. Um, and then we'll sign off. And like I said, you can get the rest of the interview on the podcast. Uh, You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. This
0: is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
2: Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now?
1: Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and do, and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free book common sense investing learn how to protect your portfolio against loss but still seek to grow your assets
2: call zach now for your free copy of common sense investing 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement bulwark capital management is an investment advisor representative of trek financial llc and sec registered investment
0: you're listening to know your risk radio with zach abraham chief
1: investment officer at bulwark capital management and we are back. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for my favorite part of the show, as always. And uh, really appreciate this guest for making time. We, we've been working on this for a while, doing, you know, doing it around holidays and uh, uh, in, and was really hesitant to switch and it, just because we couldn't marry it up because this was the perfect guy to help us land, uh, in my opinion, the journey we've been on for about the last month and a half and the interviews that we've done. During that time, and uh, so so I thought the the perfect bookend to this all would be Mr. Grant Williams, and he's kind enough to join us. Grant, thanks for coming on again, and it's just an absolute pleasure to have you,
3: mate. Always a pleasure. Lovely to hear from you. Uh,
1: well, you and, and speaking of speaking of podcasts, man, uh, you guys have been cranking out some uh, some great ones, and and let's let's kind of review just again because um, I feel like there's just new you know, new, there's new branches sprouting off that tree constantly. So you guys do the week in doom now where you and Doomberg do a, do a deal together. Correct.
3: Yeah, that's correct. Yep. 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 It's, and that's uh, always good fun.
1: Yeah. And then we're doing We're still doing the end game. You're doing your podcast. Just the Grant Williams special by itself. Um, how are things going, Grant? How, how you made this trend you went behind the paywall. What about a year ago? Um,
3: yeah, yeah, it must be about a year ago now. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit more than a year. But, um, no, it's been great. I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I'm very lucky to have a bunch of co-hosts on these various podcasts, you know, Phil Fleckenstein and Steph Pomboy and Ben Hunt and uh, Luke Groman and, of course, Doomberg. And um, they're just they're just great people to sit down and have conversations with. And I think ha- having that extra voice helps Make sure people don't get tired listening the same old perspectives from me, and, um, and they get to hear the thoughts of the thoughts of my co-hosts as well. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been it's been so much fun and um, and just hugely educational for me
1: yeah and then and then before we really get into it, just kind of a part of the business side of it one of the things that I've admired about your work, and I don't think it's something that people really appreciate. I certainly didn't until I started doing this, but you're an excellent interviewer um where did you did that surprise you? Did that just come naturally to you um i I think it's again, having done this. Um, you just look at it from a completely different perspective. You know what I mean? And um, I, I, you're very interviewing people is not nearly as easy as it sounds. Um, how, how do you explain that? Again, did it surprise you? Is it something you've read up on?
3: Well, well, you're very kind. Um, I, I, I've certainly not read up on it. I, I think I'm just naturally curious. You know, and mm-hmm. um, and so I'm I'm keen to hear what other people have to teach me and, and i'm not in any hurry to try and prove to the world how smart i am so i just i just ask questions that i'm genuinely interested in the answers and then i shut the hell up and stay out of the way i mean it's, it's <laughs> I, I wish there was a bigger secret to anything than that but really that's that's what i've kind of narrowed it down to
1: yeah yeah i think that second part is <laughs> I, I had to learn that a little bit as well and i hope i i hope i've figured it out to this point but there. And I'll I'll just be wide open. There, there was a tendency in the beginning to feel like I needed to jump in and, you know, make myself sound smart or or keep everybody interested, and that you're, you know, what I mean, just kind of overplaying your hand, and then realizing that the best form of interviewing is just letting that curiosity go where it goes and ask those questions, and then, like you said, just shut the hell up and get out of the way.
3: Yeah, Um, I think I think it, it takes you down. It takes you down, genuine avenues of interest rather than, you know, pre preconceived ideas of, of what you might be supposed to ask a certain person. That's, yeah. that's what I found anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. while <clears throat> well, I've got you here. Let's 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 get it rolling. And, I, and I'm going to come. I'm going to come <laughs> right out of the gates of uh, uh, completely unleaded here and, and just throw it at you. Um it 's something, and I want to get into the conversation that you had with James Aiken race recently, just because I thought it was um, just such an intriguing, refreshing way that I think he addresses things and the way he looks at things, and also with a big veil of or a big layer of humility, which is something that i don 't know i don 't know if you feel the same way, but when I listen to other man, money managers talk when i don 't hear that embedded humility. I'll continue listening, but there's a part of me that shuts off because I feel like if you've really done this job with, with, you know, uh, serious money on the line, I I feel like it just commands humility, you know, and and if there isn't humility there, it's almost, you know, the hallmark of a charlatan. But would you agree with me? Do you you know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, very much so. I mean, I I think – the more the more time you spend in markets, in theory, the more humble you should get because um, because they have a, a habit of time and time again demonstrating exactly why you should be humble. You know, at the end of the day, if you think about what this game is, this game is about trying to predict the future. Um, so you, you you're, the ultimate outcome is unknowable to you. So so any idea that you shouldn't be humble about this is is ridiculous to me, frankly. I mean, it, we, we're all we're all just guessing. That's all we're doing. So, if you appreciate that everything you say is a guess, then you know you realise that that uh, the best you can do is is hope to shave the odds slightly better than a coin toss in your direction. If, and if you can do that, then you'll do very well over time. But um, you know that's why, for me, um, well, let's take Bitcoin for example. I, I hate to throw the B word in there at the beginning of the conversation, but you know, what we've seen in, in Bitcoin on both sides of the debate is, is so much certainty. You know, it's, it's so much Bitcoin's gonna be a million dollars by here and Bitcoin is the future and Bitcoin is this and Bitcoin is that. And on the other side, you know, Bitcoin's worth nothing, Bitcoin's going to zero. Um and the truth is, look, none of us know. And so I think if 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 you if you try and get into a conversation, and try and get into a debate with people that, that hold their position so dogmatically it's really a waste of time because you, you, you're not going to convince them. And, and this for me is one of the reasons why I haven't really bothered spending too much time on Bitcoin, because I, I think everyone's got an opinion on it. And those pers- opinions on both sides are remarkably strongly held. So what's the point, right? What's the point? in talking to someone about it, because if they hear something that, that, that Contradict their case; they're going to find some reason in their own mind to to discount it, and and if they hear someone that reinforces their belief, they're going to you know champion that and share it. And so,
1: I, I all right, guys, due to time constraints, we got to shut this last segment off short. So to hear the rest of this, just go to Know Your Risk Radio podcast and get on Apple, iTunes, Podbean, whatever the thing is, Stitcher, whatever. You just also Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. You can get all the interviews. You can hear the rest of this segment it's in, in its entirety. You'll get automatically updates with, with all the shows, with all the different interviews we run. You'll also boost our subscriber numbers, which helps us get better guests. So anyway, hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you want some risk management, guys, if you want to spend less, make more, or have the potential of making more, got to keep the compliance people happy and far less risk. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK, and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, or capitalmanagement.com. Follow me at Twitter, at KWR Radio. You guys know the drill. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. Have some great interviews lined up for the coming weeks. You won't want to miss them. We'll see you next week. This is the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.